welcome back to Reggie's Comic Stories uh, series on collecting that will run for multiple parts. I'm not sure how many, but just exploring uh, collecting and uh, what gets people into collecting and why we collect and things like that. And I am a collector, and I wanted to uh, open this show to talk about something that I think is probably uh, every collector knows about. Um, that is the ancillary things that get kind of heaped in with your collection, uh, if you know what I mean. Like, you know, I know that a lot of people I know, they collect comics, and they have Funko Pops also have sort of leaked into their world or whatever it is. But Or you could be uh, a collector of fine wines, and you find that you do have some aged whiskey because it just sort of is part and parcel of the same world. Uh, you know, in comics especially, you might buy entire collections and end up with, you know, several of the same issue or whatever it is. You know, you you start to, uh, your collection starts to pick up different things. And I wanted to, I got a lot of great feedback on the last episode uh, from several people uh, that I'm going to be talking to again soon. Um, they're talking about their experiences collecting and why they collected and what they collected. Uh, and a question I kept getting was about my uh, World's Fair collection. So I thought I would bring that up and how that has sort of dragged along a secondary uh, extra collection with it. So just for a little background, uh, in New York City, uh, there were two World's Fairs, one in 1939 and one in 1964. And I've been, uh, I grew up right in an area that's right near there and uh, where they were held in Flushing Meadow Park in Queens. And I, uh, I've been interested in the both World's Fairs to some extent, but especially the 39 World's Fair for quite a number of years. My reasons are uh, because such a strange sliver of time in between the Depression and the uh, World War II, and the things shown at the fair were sort of... Uh, what would become the American dream after the war was finished. But anyway, uh, that's, you know, so I collect items from the 39 World's Fair in particular uh, so that I, you know, connect me to that time. It definitely is what it is, uh, you know, as psychologists said, as I mentioned last time, uh, that somehow by holding the artifact, by seeing the whatever it is, the cigarette, you know, ashtray or the novelty seat or whatever it is that I have, uh, a, you know, vinegar bottle out of milk glass that looks that from the Heinz factory or whatever it is, uh, I, you know, feel connected to that time period. And people know now I've been collecting things from the 39 World's Fair for uh, 20 years, I'd say, more seriously, but really almost up to 30 years. Uh, and people know that I like this, but they don't necessarily know that there were two World's Fairs. So along with my, uh, you know, cigarette ashtrays and ticket books and guides and whatever else I have from the 39 World's Fair, I have a smaller amount of stuff from the 64 World's Fair. And it's interesting because... You know, between those two times, plastic was refined and became like, you know, the building block for everything. And, uh, you know, the, the world had changed so much. Uh, it, you know, corporations became so much more entrenched by 1964 that the memorabilia is completely different. You know, it's, uh, 
you know, from 39 World's Fair, there's a lot of hand-painted china. And from the 64 World's Fair, there's a lot of plastic mold, you know, picture globes or whatever. So uh, that's... I just wanted to mention that, that, you know, I have picked up quite a number of items from the 64 World's Fair, mostly from well-meaning people. Uh, and they, the same goes for my some of my other collections. You know, I have action figures because I like the comic books. People know that, and they uh, want to pitch in. And I, I do find it very endearing that people know that collecting is part of my personality, and they want to help facilitate it. But uh, that's it for that. Uh, I'm going to have an interview, and this is my plan for every episode, to be talking to a collector and trying to get to the heart of what, you know, why they collect and what their uh, feelings are about uh, having collections. And for the first episode, I could pick no one better than my partner in podcasting, Chris Sheehan. So we're going to go to that interview right now, and then I'll come back and wrap it all up for you. first interview for this series on collectors and collecting things, uh, I can think of no better person to have on than my partner in podcasting, my good friend, and probably the inspiration for doing this uh, examination into collecting, Christian. Hey, hey. We do a weekly podcast, uh, what the hell do we call that, Chris is Reggie's Cosmic Treadmill. That's and, the one. And uh, Chris has been... Churning out other podcasts on the ChrisandReggie.com uh, network. Uh, what about uh, Strike Force Moratory and mm-hmm. uh, just a couple others out there? So sure. you go check out ChrisandReggie.com uh, and you will find them. Now that we've got the plugs out of the way, uh, I want to tell our audience that you have been collecting comics for 30 years. Just about. Yeah. And you have just about how many comics do you think? Um, over 25,000. That's, you know, a lot of comics, you know. It is. That is quite a lot of comics. Uh, I'm always curious to know what, are there any byproducts to your collecting that have just sort of wound up in your collection or that you've also started collecting uh, that are sort of related to comics or, or something? comics adjacent right, to, right. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I'll collect, um, uh, one of the things that I'm, I don't know if it's passionate or just obsessive about right now is uh, trying to fill in holes in my uh, comic magazine uh, okay. collection, and not not like you know magazine sized comics, but you know things like Wizard and uh, Wizard, Amazing yeah. Heroes and stuff like that. I, I'm you know naturally I'm a pack rat, so I do hold on to everything. So I've got. You know, I've got a couple hundred previews catalogs still clogging wow. up a closet somewhere. But I, I just love anything that's kind of tangentially or adjacent to the comics medium. Uh, uh, trading cards. Uh, I, when I was younger, I did go in for the action figures, but those took up way too much room. Right. <laughs> Which, I mean, I've got. I'm sitting on like a hundred long boxes right now, but uh, but the action figures take up too much room, so yeah. I, I've kind of kind of cut down on those. Um, and then just some ephemera. I. I love advertisements. I love uh, things that they send to the comic shops uh, for promotions, you know, posters, postcards. 
you know, a good buddy sent me the Action Comics Weekly spinner for the, that that would hang in comic right. shops. Oh back yeah, in the I saw that. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, it's real cool. It's Plus, a, if you're doing, oh, super you, cool. you use this material to uh, populate a daily blog. Certainly. Among the other podcasting you do, which is about different DC comics, and that was all part of you doing a run called Action Comics Weekly, which you're still in the, mm-hmm. at the tail end of now. At We're least. getting through. Yeah, yeah I think we got about seven weeks to go. The yeah. home stretch, we can call this, I think. <laughs> but yeah, so that was very fortuitous. You've become the kind of the Action Comics Weekly guy, and you got the uh, <laughs> promo item, and it's it's just always interesting. I, I don't think anyone has a collection of. Certain sizes where they doesn't, other things don't leak into it. You know what sure, I mean? Where you're sure. just like manga, yeah, all any anything that's kind of adjacent to the uh, to the actual medium just finds its way in. Right. Uh, now I really want to talk about the space to start though, because that is a, you know, to me it's you know the three points of collecting. Really, the two big ones are space and money. But space, sure. space, time, and money—it's sort of like the, the dimensions. You know what I mean? Of uh, Collecting so space. How did you manage this in your early days? I guess the question I'm really asking is, when did you start to realize or decide that it was taking over? <laughs> I'm, I'm going. Oh, I'm going to be a comics collector. This is it. You know, I'm going to pursue this now. Oh, at the very beginning, um, uh, that was uh, probably I, when I when I got into comics. It was a uh, all I cared about was ElfQuest comics, and that's uh, all I really. That's the only thing I looked to collect. I didn't ever see myself having a giant collection, although I did have random. Co- I mean, people of our vintage. It's it was impossible to go through life without right. ha- suddenly comics just showing up at your house somehow. Right. Yeah. Somebody gives them to you. You accidentally buy them. They just show up. Yeah. And. Uh, I was only in it for ElfQuest, but then it was right around that time where the where the speculator boom was starting to kick off, and exciting things were happening, not only in as far as uh, the investment potential, which I didn't really pay too much mind to. I was more interested in like just these big sweeping things that would change lore and add to lore and inflate lore, so it's like the new X-Men boom I just jumped in on, and uh, I, I never let go of the X-Men until just very recently, but uh, it just it bloomed from there because uh, you know one thing that people bagged on was like you know Wolverine would show up in forty five books a month, uh, but it worked. You know if I did. wanted to find out why Wolverine was in the thirtieth century in uh, in Guardians of the Galaxy, I had to go buy an issue of Guardians of the Galaxy, which I never would have otherwise. Sure. So it just uh, you know the the X Men sphere of influence. Basically took over the Marvel Universe for the first half of the 90s, in, you know, actually the entirety of the 90s. So, I found myself <clears throat> collecting, and I wanted to know exactly where things were going. Because back then, even as confusing and as uh, kind of here and there, all the continuity was, you could still kind of track it. Uh-huh. So, like, you kind of knew where things were happening and where things oh, fit yeah. in a in a timeline, sorta. My memory was it was fairly tight. You know, it's it was, it's always yes. a little loosey goosey, but things happened in a certain chronology. You know, we'll certainly, say. Yeah. certainly. Yeah, so it's like I needed to know what everything what everything was, and I do have you know an obsessive streak in me, so it's uh-huh. like I needed to know where everybody was going and. Uh, and it was with the X Men that I decided, you know, this is this is what I'm going to be collecting, and 
from there it it grew and then as you grow older and you start to make money at real jobs you realize that you have more money burning a hole in your pocket <laughs> so you start looking on the other side of the table and then you get hooked on those and it just uh, it just goes from there and before you know it you've got rooms and rooms and rooms full of yeah. long boxes you just that now you're hauling them now you know the the reality of moving a collection Oh boy! It's probably killed many a collection uh, over the years of different, various <laughs> different things. But I know co- comic boxes can get real heavy and awkward. Uh, sure. Now I would consider you have uh, collections of many different comics. You you have mm-hmm. completed runs, but to my mind, you are essentially an X Men collector. Uh, yeah. And you're and you've said that you're trying to get an unbroken run. You've got an mm-hmm. unbroken run from about you know somewhere in the seventies to yeah. The '90s, and two, you, you about would, two years ago. Yeah. Okay, and and, and mm-hmm. you would go back to the first ones if you ever they ever turn up. You know, that's you're sure. Gonna, you yeah. would scoff at them for a good price, uh, just to just to plug them in. Um, but it, it sounds to me like you were drawn in by the content, right? Absolutely. Not, it, it was the Absolutely. stories that really got you into it. It was. It was. Uh, I usually credit um, Scott Lobdell and Dan Jurgens as uh, two guys who changed the way that I viewed comics as what they could be. Um, you know, before that, uh, it was uh, the Peenies, Wendy and Richard Peeny. They they crafted ElfQuest, and it was right. just something that was totally different from what I assumed comics were going to be. But I also realized that it was not superhero comics. It was different than superhero comics. It was its own thing. Sure. But when I read The Death of Superman and when I read uh, a particular issue of Uncanny X-Men, it, it let me see that there is so much more potential than what I had initially uh, thought about uh, superhero comics. And uh, and it was that content and it was that tone and uh, – the, the the feeling that these characters are you know fleshed out real have relationships that's just what kept me coming back and uh, and and created a monster <laughs> I bet not something your wife would probably agree with uh, very so, like sort of speaking of which you know I assume in your early days of collecting you lived in the smaller locations and yes. you've moved over the years in fact you moved uh, you know pretty much all the way or halfway across the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, at one time, and I assume you were hauling some boxes at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then you did move again. You know, not to reveal too much, but essentially, mm-hmm. or at least partly, because of your collection. Uh, it, it had something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, it, it it was a factor. It, there were there were many <laughs> many factors, and that was one of them. We'll just say it wasn't yes. it wasn't the top one, but it was in there. Uh, how does that go over? How how does that go over with friends, family? Uh, you know. Do, do you mainly have collector friends, or how does oh, that work? I, I don't have. I don't really have any friends, which is, uh, I, I guess, good, bad in this <laughs> situation. But uh, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I have had people over, and I wish. Like I've got, I'm I'm sitting in my my little library office right now where I've got you know an entire wall of bookcases with trades and all sorts of crap on it, um, and like I've had people over and. And instead of them coming in and being like, "Oh man, that's you know that's a story that looks really interesting," they're just like, "Wow, I guess this is your retirement room." And it's like, "I I I'd like you to think it's more than that." Right, right. <laughs> you, know? you can engage with this today, you know, like exactly. It's like it's like you could pick that up off the shelf and flip through it. I mean, it's it's good stuff or some of it, but uh, that's kind of what friends and family think is uh, you know they'll find out you're still reading comics or that you're reading comics in the first place right. and they're like oh so so how much are those worth and it's like I don't know yeah. nothing 
get a scale. Well, wait, they're a penny a pound. Come on. Or they just kind of give you like a, a you know well-meaning look, like oh that's that's nice, you know. What I mean? <laughs> Bless his heart. You're yeah. still you're young at heart forever. That's very nice. Yep. Uh, yeah, my mom is my mom is hilarious because she has always tried to meet me halfway in my interest, but she doesn't like comics, and that's you know that's fine. <laughs> but she's always buying me books about. The validity of comics, or showing me okay. art, newspaper articles, and it's like it's incredibly sweet. But I'm also like, Mom, I'm, <laughs> I'm the choir here that this is preaching yep. to. I don't need I don't need anyone to explain to me why <laughs> comics are a valid form of literature. I I already think that I've already invested. We, we, we talk about that all the time. <laughs> I talk about it all the time. I you know I talk about it every week, and uh, I've invested a lot of my time, money, and space uh, into that. So, but it's it is nice uh, when people. You know, they, they, they try to get it get into your interest or at least, you know, support your interest. It's just sort of sure. like... Uh, I mean, one of the things about your collecting, I think, I'd like to talk about is that it's very uh, rule-based. It is. All imposed, <laughs> all imposed by you also. This isn't oh, rules yeah. that, that have been given by anyone else. But what are some of your uh, cardinal rules of collecting comics? Okay, um, I like the main one. Or the, there are ma- two main ones. I uh, I don't buy anything online. Okay. I don't shop online. So it has to be even if it's something that I'm hunting down, looking for, uh, obsessing over. And I could have it by clicking a buy it now and get it for like a dollar or two. Right. I don't do it. I can't do it because, to me. You know, and this this goes into part of the psychology collecting is that the actual going and getting and finding is part of it for me. Absolutely. It's not just the having; it's the hunt. Yeah. And uh, and I mean, I I I've I've mentioned this uh, on on one of one of my my solo gigs. I, I said that because uh, I was talking about my rules for collecting, and I didn't want to slight people who go the eBay route or go the sure. Amazon route, because I understand that I I come I come at this from a point of I hate the term privilege, but I do have collector's privilege here because I am, I am self-sufficient. I have, um, you know, I have spending money. I don't have kids. Right. You know, right, right. Uh, my main focus in life right now, I, I work part time. I'm a student, so I have I have time where I can travel. Uh-huh. So I can I can hop in the car, drive an hour and a half to a comic store. You know. Half a state away, sure. Just because you know of a passing interest or a passing, you know, thought in the back of my mind that they might have Lady Cop there, you know. And there you go. It's you know, it's it's fine because it's just I have that ability, so I don't slight people who do the online stuff. And at, at the end of the day, it costs them far less time, money, and frustration than Probably. it does me. Yep, yep. But uh, but for me, that's that's all part of it. That's uh, it's it's almost like a like the nerdiest sport on the planet. You know, it's. You're hunting the the deadliest game here, and uh, that's just a big part of it for me. Because, and it's one of those inexplainable things, like when you're when you're flipping through just random boxes and you start seeing things from the vintage of a book you're looking for. It's uh-huh. like, oh, maybe it's here. It's like oh, you, you yeah. get the scent, you know, and you're yeah, yeah. following. Or you start um, you start to see a couple of issues of a run that you need, and you're like, this yep. could be, they could all be in here, you know what I mean? They could and all that, be that here. That does happen uh, big time now yep. and again. Uh, it's really it really is interesting. Uh, the hunt is definitely, I think, for most collectors, um, really what the fun of it is. And I think that's something that online uh, has just taken the wind out of that, you know. It has. I think it's left a lot of collectors feeling dissatisfied with what they get. Because one thing about your show, which runs kind of opposite this one, uh, mm-hmm. Chris is on Infinite Earths, that's every other Wednesday. So 
next Wednesday will be a new episode of your of your show. It's essentially you remembering uh, memories connected to these comics that are usually connected directly to getting them. Yeah, you know, yeah, you yeah, remember a... what happened. Mm-hmm. You know where you what you had to do to get this comic and where you had to travel. And oh yeah. That's often way better than the content of the comic, quite frankly. <laughs> it is. Uh, is. Story-wise, and it's uh, it's really fascinating. I would even say, you know, that that your show would be a real good corollary if you guys are listening to this just for the collector's content. Yours is sort of the you know diary of a collector. And, yeah. Uh, it's, it's and it very it actually yeah it actually deals with. Um, the the multi the like the extra layers that you could put on collecting here because in you know in collecting you have that one story of finding something in reading it you have a story of reading it if it's something that was that you bought as it was on the shelves it's one thing if it's something that you bought after the fact it's a different thing and then with the show it's usually me telling a story about something I wrote about on the blog so I have another memory to right. layer on top of that oh, when sure. I wrote yeah, about yeah. it that's right and it just uh and I mean it, it, we're getting into like metal levels of uh, obsession here but uh it just there are just so many layers to uh to the collecting journey that uh that you that, that, that could just come to fruition where you least expect it or how you least expect it and uh, I found that. I found that uh, there's a kinship online uh, with these stories because it ain't just me who has these stories. Everybody sure. has these stories, sure. and um, and everybody has you know these these amazing tales of how they found or discovered or experienced something. And I I love that it it kind of facilitates a discussion about that or just even even conjures up memories in in somebody's head about a time in their life that was. That was, you know, more magical than it is today. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And the, uh, you know, the the thrill of finding something that you've been looking for for a, a while can really be, you know, it can't be explained or duplicated any other way. No. Uh, you know, you you have a, a collection that you, again, it's twenty five thousand comics. You've probably gotten a lot of the comics you're really looking for. Uh, you know, there, yeah. there, there are batches of others that you need to find, but. And even though the uh, you know the incidence of you finding those comics are relatively low, when you do find them, it's going to be elating. You know what I mean? You're going to be sure. thrilled to see them. So that's that really is the thrill of collecting is to be missing something, to have a gap in your collection, and then fill it in a uh, you know natural way, whatever it is. You know, I mean. Oh, it's absolutely true. Yeah. Yeah. To travel and find something is it makes that trip totally worth it. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's it's just something uh, you know. I we're definitely getting closer to the uh, collector's gene, trying to isolate whatever that is that makes people <laughs> want to even collect. Because it's still you know it's still most people would look at it and say like oh that's great for you or again like oh this is going to be your retirement fund. They can't yeah. understand you just want the stuff to have it. So mm-hmm. very and, good. And uh, you, yeah. can, you can talk about it like as a. And one of the ways I justify it to myself uh-huh. is that it's um, that it's research. Right. That's one thing that the, that the shows and the the blog have have kind of massaged me into is like, well, yeah, I'm, I need to buy these you know eight issues of Wizard magazine from 1997 because it's research. And but you've been, you know, you have very, been using them. Uh, I have actually tried turning over a leaf and using them as research. So it it has it has bore 
bore fruit, but, uh, you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, lying to myself when I bought them for those reasons. I mean, there's a whole overarching thing, I think, also with some collectors have the feeling they're using it either to impart to their children or they want to impart that wisdom. Talking about someone coming over and looking at what you have in your office or whatever, your mm. den or whatever you're calling it, uh, and sort of dis, you know being dismissive of it, I understand that's a crushing thing. You know what I mean? Because sure. you really want... But I, Yesterday I had a great example of this where I had two friends over. Uh, one of them really doesn't care about comics. The other one is, is a comics fan to some degree, really more when he was younger. Mm-hmm. And, and one of them just looked at the, my books on my wall and said, boy, you have a colorful book collection. And the other guy was mm-hmm. pulling them off and flipping through them, you know what I mean? And I felt sure. very gratified by the latter, and by the former I felt a little bit embarrassed. But that really is a whole other side of collecting. You know, I'm going to have to really try <laughs> to explore some other days how you present your collection to... Uh, you know the world into your to the friends. to the unindoctrinated, yeah, yeah. the uninitiated, yeah. I wonder if there's anybody that's. I, I'm sure there are people that have collections that like they don't tell their wives until they've been married for ten years or something. And be like, <laughs> by the way, I've been collecting cigar, you know, rings or whatever yeah. it is, you know. <laughs> you know that locked closet? Well, you want to want to take a look inside? It's full of bottle caps. Be careful. Yep. Don't don't it's, walk around that barefoot. It's uh, not bodies. It's bottles. So. <laughs> But uh, I, I really thank you for your time, and not just this conversation, but the many, many conversations we've had about collecting yeah. and uh, what it what it entails. And you know, I do consider you a you know ardent, and I, it looks like virtually daily, or you know, close to <laughs> working on it. You know, on a, such a regular basis, and uh, it's just really it's fascinating to me that. Uh, you're someone, for example, where you do have limits on what you're collecting, but then mm-hmm. I see other people's collections, and they apparently want to get every comic that was ever made. You that know what I mean? Printed, like, yeah, and multiple, because that's another one of my rules is that if I find two of the same book, even if it's you know a high dollar book yeah. in some sort of a random bin or at a deep discount, I won't take them both. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, because I do believe in the hunt. I do believe in the collector's journey, and I, I actually, just about a year ago, I came across uh, the issue of John Byrne's Next Men, that has the had the first color appearance of Hellboy. Right. It's it's a book that you could probably you know go on eBay and, and spend a hundred bucks on. Sure. I found uh, I found three of them in a dollar bin. Oh my goodness. And I needed it, so I took one. I left the other two because I wanted someone else to have that experience. I, that, that's a great attitude, you know, and I think that's that shows a kind of understanding of what collecting is, and you know, for someone else to have that thrill of like, whoa, you because, know, yeah, because people people who do hit the bins, they're they're, they're a dying breed because it's yeah, it's dirty, it's messy, it's smelly, it's. Uh, you're surrounded with with funk. Oh yeah, <laughs> we can go. It's not always the best. Uh, it's not always the best conditions when you're when you're digging through like a line of uh, quarter bins or something. It's usually in a dimly lit back end of a store with bad uh, with bad air uh, air pressure oh, yeah. and it uh, it's uh, just a uh, I've almost never been in a comic shop uh, in my life that wasn't 115 degrees inside. I swear to you, I don't know what oh, it yeah. is, but it's like they just I mean maybe that's more of an east coast thing cuz and no cell surface. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. It, 
like the cell service dies in there for whatever reason, usually because it's in some horrible basement or converted yep. bunker or something like that. But I mean, you know, it, the collecting comics in specific has changed drastically because of trade collections sure. and like the fact that digital, yeah. digital is a huge thing that's gouged this out. So it's it's really, I mean, there there's a whole other layer to this that I'm not going to talk about on this show that has to do with the way comics are sold, you know, and the sure. insular direct market. But that's too big a can of worms to open up for these purposes. If you want to learn <laughs> more about that, we did do a two-part series, three-part? I believe the, it was two parts, two yeah. Two parts on the direct market? That's, uh, it was a weird, weird comics The most recent episode. episodes of uh, Weird Comics History. All right, yeah. so if you went to chrisandreggie.com, uh, we do explain how that all works and and why back issues are really the lifeblood of the of this industry. So as they are sure. waiting, you can guarantee that that's going to spell doom for the uh, any new single issues that come out. But yeah, and you know, in general, we have talked about collecting on that our shows also several times. So really, listen to everything we've ever recorded. You will get a nice that's, broad that's a safe idea. Bet. Yes, <laughs> that's your best bet. Uh, but I think I have taken up enough of your time for today. You probably have a lot of bagging and boarding to do, or uh, constantly. Constantly, it's it's a. It's I, a I'm having the process. conveyor belt, the assembly line conveyor belt, put in right now. So it's, it's well, all good. Uh, don't don't turn it up too high. Or you're gonna have an I Love Lucy situation, just like a bag on your head. You know, comics. Are, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have three really? X-Forces in one bag. Be <laughs> what, good. The, what happened, boy? <laughs> uh, anyway, it's, I really appreciate your time. And, uh, Anytime. I really appreciate all of your, uh, in, you know, our many talks about the subject. And, you know, as we go down the line, as I start getting into other things, maybe I'll, I'll ask you to come back and talk about another dimension of your comics collecting. Anytime. I look forward to it. All right, Chris. You have a good one. You too. Take care. Hey folks, so uh, I am back after that uh, talk with my pal Chris Sheehan. Uh, you know, we he and I have talked many times about collecting, and I, I kind of ran doing this series of shows by him quite a while ago. Uh, so he sort of is, uh, you know, my partner in crime on this particular subject as well. But uh, So I, I really wanted to talk to him first out of anybody else, but I'm looking to talk to people who have strange collections or really any kind of collections I'm looking to hear back from anyone who has experience with collecting or even hoarding and uh, want to talk about it um, you know please write to me at Reggie Reggie at Gmail or you can contact the uh, you know me on Twitter at, at Reggie Reggie or contact the uh, cosmic T-mill and the weird comics history uh, you know sites or whatever points of contact, I don't know, that's what, that's for the overarching larger podcast, uh, I did mention it because I was with Chris that, you know, we do a weekly podcast called The Cosmic Treadmill on Sundays, and, uh, this show alternates with Chris every other Wednesday, and on his Wednesdays he does one called Chris's on Infinite Earths, where he actually, exactly like I said during our interview, he talks often about, uh, finding certain comics out in the Wild and how exciting that can be and whatever. So I really do recommend you give that a listen. But uh, I think that's all we have for this week, folks. Um, again, keep those 
missives coming. I really enjoyed them. I'm definitely going to be talking to some of you in the near future and pick your brains about collecting and how you handle and deal with your collections. So until next time, folks, don't collect garbage.